Hello, this is Peter John for Rope Grace on this Wednesday morning in February. February. Isn't that how it should be pronounced? Seems like it when you spell it out, but it's a beautiful day today and it's that spring that kind of fakes you out every year here in Oregon. The faux spring. But I love it while it lasts. And uh, today's going to be a little different. A little different. Because I am headed towards a beautiful, I am believing, uh, memorial service. And uh, that is scheduled... Uh, around the time I'm usually uh, on the air, so I'm going to actually pre-record this baby and uh, give some thoughts and some prayers just basically to say Jesus is Lord and Jesus loves us. So there you go. I could basically just wrap up the show now. Uh, but uh, so it'll be a shorter show with, I hope you can handle this, no song breaks. But uh, let's talk about some Jesus truth. You know that Satan has the power of death through sin. You, 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 you know that, right? But here on Rogue grace, I want to remind you what 1 Corinthians 15 says in that Satan has the power of death through sin because of the law. Did you know that? That it's the law that brings about the consciousness of sin which that leads to death. So if Satan can, he will use the law. He'll use anything he can. Ask Jesus there in the desert during the wilderness experience he went through where Satan actually quoted one of the Psalms to Jesus. One of the sayings of scripture, I should say. And so he'll use it to his own advantage. My point is this. Well, there's two. First of all, first of all, if Satan can twist the scriptures and use it to his advantage, be sure that you know your Bible and you are able to place it in context. And you might be thinking, Pete, that's easy for you to say. That's your job. (laughs) But I work from 6 to 9 p.m. Or I have five kids. Or I'm going to school. So it's just good enough for me if I can basically just read my Bible in the morning. Not to mention what you're talking about. Well, I totally understand. And that's why, A, you are able to pray while you read. And God will give you 
understanding. And then B, come out tonight to Wednesday night Bible study. (laughs) Because that's what we all need. We need Wednesday night Bible study. We need teaching, preaching, context to the Word of God. That's why the Bible says, Do not forsake your assembling of yourselves together as some are apt to do. Don't you get what that is saying? Some people say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need Wednesday night Bible study. Don't do it, Hebrews. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament says. So that's A. But B, remember that Satan uses the law to what? Point out your sin. Why? Because that leads to death. It leads to death eternally for those who never do give themselves over to the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. But even for those of us who have, sin leads to death. Death of joy, death of peace, death of love death of marriage, death of finances. It can lead to death of anything. But the way you overcome that is not by going through the law, which brings into our conscious sin, which leads to death, but by diving into grace that Jesus fulfilled the law and his righteousness is what matters and now counts for you. That's why the gospel is the jackpot. Seriously. You have all of this beautiful treasure and it's on your account. Imagine this. What if the um the tax service at the United States said to you, you know, you paid too many taxes, so we are going to reimburse you for your taxes. And this was 15 years ago, so we'll also give you interest. And so we're sending you $50,000 and we're going to wire that into your bank account. We have your bank account, of course, because you gave it to us for your tax return. And so now we have it and we're placing in your account 50,000 bucks. Now, what if you got that letter coming from the IRS? It was probably three or four months late, but still you got it and you read it. That letter speaks of 50 grand wired into your account, whether you choose to believe it or not. You can believe it or not believe it. You can say, no, the IRS is full of bunk. Forget this. They're lying to me. This mail is junk. Okay, you can do that. And act like it's all of that That's 
your priority, that's all up to you. But if you choose to believe that letter, you can access that money in the account. You have access to it. 50 grand right then and there. Well, more than that, better than that, the gospel is saying what we have been given on our account, what has been accounted to us, righteousness, the very record of Jesus Christ. And therefore, and I say this reverently, in a very certain sense, you deserve God's blessing. Here's why you deserve God's blessing. Because you place yourself in Jesus Christ. And of course, he deserves it. See, that's why I say that. Because he deserves it. Now, because you're in him, you deserve it. I, I didn't make this up. I'm not even saying that it's fair. I'm saying that this is the power of the gospel. Don't be a yo-yo Christian. Going up when you're doing good, when you're keeping the rules, when you're not making mistakes, but then going down when you disobey, when you step on a landmine of morality, so to speak. When you trip, when you fall, when you stumble, when you sin. Don't go up and down like a yo-yo. Because your righteousness is not contingent on your obedience. Your righteousness is contingent on His obedience. Jesus is perfect, fulfilling of the law. And that's why in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament powerfully declares you must love God. Understandably, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, might, strength. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, right? Good. Jesus said that's the most important commandment of all. Yes, the power of the Pentateuch is found in that verse. But in the New Testament, it's not just that. It's not simply you must love God, but now it's God loves you no matter what. And there's nothing you can do about it. Isn't that wonderful? It's not you must love God, but God loves you no matter what. Now, a person can choose to receive that or reject that. But if they choose to receive that, they know that they are loved by God. And it has nothing to do with their behavior or their performance. And now... They know they're loved by God. See, Jesus didn't, when you look at his ministry, 
produce disciples or people who never sinned. Those disciples, both in the lifetime of Jesus and afterwards, had mistakes just like I do, and maybe, no, just like you do. Jesus did not produce people who never sinned because if he did, he had failed. If you look at that, if you look at, oh, did Jesus produce perfect people? Well, when he ascended, they weren't perfect. But what he did accomplish is people who will never be punished for their sin. He succeeded. Let me say that once again. If Jesus died to produce people who never sinned, he failed. But if he died so that we would never be punished for our sin, he succeeded beautifully, perfectly. Praise the Lord for that. Don't you just love the gospel? I mean, how can I be in a bad mood when I'm sharing this kind of stuff? Right? I can't. The Christian life is awesome. It begins with, it is finished. Again, the Christian life begins with, it is finished. And the reason I harp, quote unquote, harp on this day after day is because I need it. I need to be reminded of it. And so when I go over the scriptures and preach these things, teach these things, share these things with you, I'm reminding myself that it is finished. Remember when Jesus touched a leper there in the gospel accounts? He touched the leper. And said to that leper, you are clean. Jesus himself would have been made unclean by doing that in order to make the leper clean. Jesus took on my uncleanness. Jesus took on my flaws, my failures that I might be clean. My dear friend, you are clean through the touch of Jesus Christ. He took your uncleanness so that now you have a perfect persona in the eyes of God. The Lord is so good. The law, the law is good, right? And the law says you must love God more, right? And rightly so. Do we? Nope, we break the law. The law says you must love God more. Grace then comes on the scene and says that God loves you more. Praise the Lord. God is so good, so gracious. 
I'm so glad that I can read the Bible through the lens of God's amazing grace, both in the Old and New Testament, both in the law and in the gospel, because it all is fulfilled by, it all surrounds one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when I realize that it's all fulfilled by him, I'm no longer under condemnation when I don't fulfill all of the scriptures like I could, like I should. And then what's amazing is, as you know, without even trying, I begin to fulfill the scriptures and the laws and the commandments. And it's not through my own flesh or energy. It's through the grace of God in my life. The Bible says in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, there's only one thing to fear. Do you know that? Over and over, Jesus says, do not fear. Right? Right. He says that to his disciples all of the time. Do not fear. He says that to those whose children are hurting and dying. Do not fear. Over and over in the New Testament, Jesus says, the New Testament declares, do not fear, except one time. In the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it says, fear that you do not enter into the rest of God. That's the one thing, aside, of course, fearing God himself, in terms of love, respect, admiration. I'm talking about some circumstance or some issue. The Bible says one thing to fear, not entering God's rest. I like that. That alone helps me to enter his rest, saying, okay, Lord, the one thing you want me to be afraid of is that I'm not relaxed in you, that I think it's up to me to be blessed to be saved, to be happy, when in fact it is all about you. All right, got it. Pretty cool that I am told over and over not to fear, except when I am not entering God's rest. I should fear being a workaholic. I should fear being a legalist. I should fear being pious and pompous in my works. I should fear having an arrogant attitude. I should fear thinking it's up to me if it's going to be. The Lord says, fear not in every other circumstance except fear that you don't enter my rest. In other words, relax and trust the Lord. See, slaves cannot rest, as you know, obviously. Slaves in any culture, at any time, It's those who are free who can rest. 
It's those who are free who can choose to rest. Not slaves. They're at the call, the beckoning, the command of their master. It's the free woman, free man, who can say, nope, done now, I'm resting. (laughs) And you're free to rest. Be afraid that you don't rest. Just be free to rest. Because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Notice in John, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Jesus said, you are the branch. Jesus didn't say, I am the vine, now try to be the branches. Jesus didn't say, I am the vine, good luck with being branches. Jesus didn't say, I am the vine, I command you to be branches. Jesus said, you are branches, not try to be a branch. So in other words, you are already plugged in. You are already connected to. You are already attached. It's already done. What does a branch do? Does it work? Does it strive? Is it stressed? No. Safe to say a branch on any given fruit tree is pretty relaxed. And yet it bears fruit. Just relax in the goodness and the grace of God. And as you trust in Jesus Christ, talking to him, walking with him, loving on him, the fruit, it'll come without your effort, your analyzation, your even trying to make it come. Remember, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down the fig tree. The fig tree, always a picture in the Bible of our self-effort. Remember Adam and Eve took fig leaves to cover up Remember Jesus cursed the fig tree that had no figs? Covering ourselves, it's a picture, where the law expects us, commands us to cover ourselves. And Jesus called him by name, Zacchaeus. He must have thought, Maybe, I would assume he would have thought Jesus wanted nothing to do with him. He was the tax collector, the chief tax collector. Not necessarily known as the most moral guy in town. And yet Jesus calls him by name and says, I must come over to your house today. Get down the fig tree, I would say to you and me. Remember the fig tree that Adam and Eve took from? And then Zacchaeus climbed up. Jesus says, get on down. Get on down that fig tree of your own pompousness of good works or your own depression from lack thereof. Get down the fig tree. Come into the presence of Jesus Christ. So those are just a few things I wanted to share with you today kind of abbreviated rogue grace, but we did talk about grace, didn't we? 
you are commanded to feed on Jesus' suffering body. Because when he says, eat of my body, broken for you, it's his suffering you feed on, not your suffering. It's his suffering you look at, not yours, in terms of, I need to do more. I should have done more. I must do more. No, it is finished. And that's why I think there's healing in communion. Because we can finally rest. I am finally given a license to rest and that makes me whole and so too with you take of the Lord's body and drink of his blood and be made whole because you enter into his rest don't run remember that kid that was picked up by his nurse in the story of David, kid named Mephibosheth, and was crippled. Why? Because when she picked him up and was running, she dropped him. Remember that story? I bet you do. Don't run from God. Don't run from the son of David, thinking he's upset with me, he's annoyed with me, he's going to judge me. No, not if you come to Jesus. He won't. That kid was dropped. Just like the law will drop you. Boom. Cripple you. Yes. It will to all of us. So, don't run. Come back to the son of David. He loves us so very much. Thank you for letting me talk to you about grace. Thank you for letting me talk to you about God's amazing grace. I will come back tomorrow, Lord, if he doesn't come back today. I will come back tomorrow for a full hour. Come out tonight, like I said. Tonight.